0: The reading this morning is from Colossians 1, verse 24, to chapter 2, verse 5. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me, to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labour, struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is.
1: Thank you, Becky, very much. So we're moving on to the first part of what I want to say to you this morning, and then we've got some more songs, and then we move into the second part, so dividing it, uh, and plenty of scope for us to respond to what we're hearing today. We're back in the letter of Colossians. We're continuing our journey of hope. It's been a little bit of a disjointed journey, so I'm going to start by just reminding you of where we've come from and the steps that we've taken in the last few Sunday mornings, so that you can see that there is some kind of a progression about this. Going back to the beginning of September, our first step as we were looking in the book of Colossians chapter 1 was uh, to live a life which is pleasing to Jesus. It was Nick Carter that spoke on the 2nd of September about living a life worthy of the Lord, growing in the knowledge of God, pleasing Him in every way. We followed that with stewardship Sunday the following week. And part of living a life pleasing to God is to serve him with our gifts of time and money. And so we had the opportunity of thinking in a little bit more detail about the life of the church here and the way that we can be part of that. And then our second step was to have complete confidence in Jesus all the time. I spoke about this on the 16th of September. uh, Not drifting from the hope that we have in the gospel. And just staying firmly on track. We follow that by Harvest Sunday. The theme of giving birth to hope, another opportunity to give to God's work in Afghanistan and elsewhere. And to be sure that our true hope is in Jesus. Our confidence is in Jesus all the time. And now we're coming on to step three, which is to know and to share the message of Christ. And the more I read into the book of Colossians, the more Jesus-centered it becomes. This is a book that is all about Jesus. And in a way, our steps reflect that. Living a life that's pleasing to Jesus, having confidence in Jesus, knowing and sharing the message of Jesus. And there are two parts to this, really, from the passage that we've read. There's a lot that I could say about these words, but thinking particularly of the phrases in verses 27 and 28. In verse 27, there's a powerful phrase about knowing Jesus. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's a powerful message about knowing Jesus christ then in the following verse we'll come to this after the next block of songs that we proclaim him we proclaim him the christ who we know is one who we proclaim and one whom we share but knowing christ first of all that christ is in you the hope of glory i wonder what really is our key message today What is the trumpet sound of the church? What do we really stand for? What is the most important thing above all else that's part right at the center of the Christian gospel and life of the church? What's the most important thing that we want to get across? I think it's very important that we do focus upon this. It's easy for churches to get sidetracked into things that are always very helpful, but not necessarily of primary importance, or to become unsure about our primary calling. What is our message today? Now, if I went interactive, I'm sure you would give me lots of very good answers. I've thought of a few myself. I thought that you might say, God loves you. Such an important message to get across, that the church is alive. That Christians are caring, that there is more to life than the stuff that we see around us, that everyone is equally important. These are all great strap lines. But what is the most important thing? Some churches have message posters on their notice boards. There's usually an element of humor or, or something a little bit provocative. In those messages, I picked up a few and put them on an artificial notice board. Let's meet at my house Sunday before the game, says God. We don't change God's message. His message changes us. That's a good one. Repairing damage, restoring beauty. There are some questions that can't be answered by Google. Need a lifeguard? Ours walks on water. These are all great straplines. But the answer from our reading today about what is the most important message are these words, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is some message. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've probably heard the words before. To some extent, they go over the top of our heads. But let's stay with them. Let's really get hold of them. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, that's the first bit of it. This is not how Paul normally writes. His more usual description is to say that we are in Christ. Indeed, in the previous chapter, Colossians 1 and verse 2, in the introduction of this letter, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. We are in Christ. The language of the New Testament generally, which the New Testament generally uses, is of Jesus risen from the dead, raised to the Father, seated at the right hand of God, that through Jesus we have access to God, that we're no longer foreigners and strangers in terms of spiritual things, but members of God's household. We're caught into the life of God. We belong to Christ. We're part of the family. We are in Christ. That is the common language that we often read in the New Testament. But these words are different. These are even more striking. These are not saying we are in Christ, These are saying Christ is in you. Christ is in you. Colossians 1 verse 19, just a few verses earlier, refers to the whole fullness of God dwelling bodily in Jesus. And now verse 27 speaks of the whole fullness of Jesus dwelling in us. It's incredible. This is the core message. That God himself who dwells bodily in Jesus. This amazing gift of Jesus Christ. Eternal from the beginning of creation to the end of time. Jesus longs to take up residence in you. Christ in you it's another way of describing a life that's filled with the Holy Spirit because Father Son and Holy Spirit are all one and towards the end of the service this morning we're going to sing the song rejoice rejoice Christ is in you the hope of glory in our hearts it's a song that's familiar to many people you may not have realized that that song comes out of this verse rejoice rejoice Christ is in you Wow the hope of glory in our hearts. Maybe you've sung it before and not realized where those words come from. And even if you had made the connection, do you really live out, do I really live out what these words are saying? Christ is in you. And actually Jesus is no easy guest. No easy guest. Life is never the same when he is dwelling here. If you have guests staying in your house, life is different. You will think about their needs. You'll make sure there's suitable food, that beds are made, that they're made to feel welcome. As Christian people today, we have the most amazing person who ever lived as our constant guest. Christ is in you. The hope of glory. Not only is he a constant guest, he is a constant Lord who seeks to have the primary place. That makes a huge difference to who you are and how you live. And this is our core Christian message. Christianity is not something where we tamper with the edges of our lives and perhaps do a few things a little differently because we say we're Christians. Christianity is something that addresses the very heart of life. That it is not life that we live on our own, in our own strength, by our own way. But we live with Christ in you. And by that moment of believing, of trusting, of coming to him, of seeking his forgiveness in his new life, so this journey of faith begins. And the message of Colossians Is that as we journey on Christ is within you and the full phrase says Christ in you the hope of glory so this is where our hope is found as well everyone's looking for hope hope is our big theme for 2018 a reason to live a sense of purpose a direction in all the chaos of our lives in all the chaos of uh, life in the UK of life across the world of all the immense challenges physical, mental, social, and emotional, that everyone faces. It's a huge task, but underneath it all, there is a reason to live. There is a sense of purpose, and there is a direction. And here it is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's an interesting tension here between the present time and the future time. The word of glory is often linked to the afterlife, that there is a glorious future in heaven. The message paraphrase of these words says, Christ is in you, so therefore you can look forward to sharing in God's glory as if it's something that we haven't quite got yet, but it is coming. There will be the hope of sharing God's glory. That's true. But actually hope is not just confined to the future. Hope is for now. Hope is for today and hope is for tomorrow. There's a sense in which every day we live in hope. And when you live in hope, nothing is hopeless. That's logical, really, isn't it? When you live in hope, nothing is hopeless. But quite often we live as if there are things that are hopeless. They seem hopeless. They feel hopeless. But actually, nothing around you is hopeless when you live in hope. And when Christ is in you, that's exactly how we live. We live in hope. There is always hope. We had my brother staying with us for the last couple of days, and I'm sure he won't mind me quoting a little bit of his writing. Just a few weeks ago, he wrote a poem. That's nothing unusual, because he actually writes lots of poems. I don't. I really have nothing in my being that gives me the capacity and creativity to write a poem, but Peter does. And this one is particularly relevant. It was close to the time when his wife died, and he was reflecting on her spiritual journey, and the poem is called Uphill. This is what it says. We said she was going downhill, with pain, distress, and heavy breathing. But in this hospice, goals are different. Patient's comfort is the sole aim. In Bunyan's terms, she's climbing the hill to the celestial city, the place where God dwells and where she will soon be with her Lord and will see him face to face. So it's the exact opposite of downhill. She's making progress uphill as this life slips softly away and the next begins, eternal, glorious, and unending. We rejoice with her, so kind. She is our mother, my wife, and our dearest friend. But soon she'll be in glory as she climbs ever upwards to reach the goal. Not going downhill, but going uphill. That was her spiritual journey and my brother's reflection on it. And it is, of course, the journey of all those who are living in Christ and trusting in him. And so we have a journey uphill to the gates of glory. But we don't wait to that time for the hope of glory It is for now. Christ is in you, the hope of glory today. So whatever the struggle, whatever might be pulling you downhill because things are not going well, Jesus wants to turn that route and take you uphill to sense his glory and to see his majesty, almost like the Mount of Transfiguration, to carry up with the disciples to the mountain where Jesus was transfigured into a blaze of glory, that that kind of journey would be happening again and again and again, because Christ is within you. In Christian thinking, hope is very much for today, as well as for tomorrow, this life, as well as for eternity. How we live with Christ now as well as how we encounter him in heaven. So the question this morning, how important is Jesus to you today? Can you really say that you are living out this message, that Christ is in you, the hope of glory? And if you are, then it profoundly affects every day of your life. Here's a summary of the difference it makes. The companionship of Jesus. You're never alone. The love of Jesus you're never fearful. The power of Jesus. You're never defeated. The joy of Jesus. You're never downcast. The hope of Jesus. You are never despairing. This is not kind, some kind of spiritual escapism. From the harsher realities of our lives. This is Christ living in you today, the hope of glory. This is our core message. It's a message to know. And in a few moments, I just want to say a word or two about how it's a message to share. But let's get hold of it and really know that Christ is in you this morning. The songs that we're going to sing just enable you to do that. This is, I believe, the key moment of this morning's service. Not just to sing these songs as words. Really to sing them from the heart. To let these songs say to you, Christ is in you. The hope of glory. Let's stand. Knowing Christ leads to sharing Christ. And our passage, particularly verses 27 and 28, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Knowing Christ leads to sharing Christ. You've had about three quarters of the sermon. This is just the last bit. Paul in this passage was partly writing about his own work and ministry as an apostle of Jesus Christ. There's a strong pastoral emphasis in his ministry. Working hard in order to bring the full riches of Christ among his people. But there's also an evangelistic ministry, proclaiming Christ to everyone. Paul shares us his own testimony. And what he says is also giving us a pattern of living for every believer that he, that is Jesus, is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. The more you know Jesus, the more you want to share him. He is the all-important factor in your life. So it's natural for you to tell other people about him. And particularly notice the repetition of everyone in these words. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. It's an interesting, the repetition of everyone in these words. For Paul, the challenge was to include the Gentiles fully into the community of believers. They were the ones who might have felt marginalized, who could have been treated unfairly by believers who were of Jewish background, And the Apostle Paul was really concerned to integrate these communities so that everyone was treated in exactly the same way. We have different marginalized communities today. And one of our huge challenges is to see how we can bring the message of hope not just to some people, but to everyone. Paul writes here about proclaiming, admonishing, teaching. Later sections of this letter make it clear that it's not just the work of the apostles. It was the work of all God's people together to proclaim Jesus Christ. And for Paul, the message of the gospel needed to be communicated in words. Actions and lifestyle were very, very important, but words were important too. Other parts of the New Testament emphasize actions. That speaking of faith without living the faith is dead. It's useless. The opposite is true as well. Both need to be together. Words and deeds together. Acts of kindness and words of truth. Bringing the whole message of Jesus Christ to the whole of our community. Christ is in you today. That is the hope of glory. You can't hold on to that. You can't keep it to yourself. God doesn't want you to do that. That's not what we're about. It's a message that needs to be shared.
2: I will show Jesus over a cup of coffee.
0: I will walk hard in everything I do. I will make the world around me a more beautiful place. I will be the light in my community. I will! I will serve God by translating the gospel through sign language. I will give praying for China.
1: We will love one another. I will write a new song which will draw people closer to God in a new way. What I love about that video is that it has such an international feel. People of different languages, different cultures, all saying, I will. Will you take a step forward in sharing Christ this week? It may be in a conversation over coffee. It may be in a kindness to a neighbor. It may be a prayer for someone who is unwell. It may be a text message or a phone call. It may be an invitation to Alpha next Sunday. Alpha starts next Sunday in Kairos, parallel to the morning service. We've got a team of people who are ready to just engage in those table conversations, watch the videos, and encourage you to think a little bit more about what Christianity is all about. And this is especially for inviting those who you know, those who perhaps have been associated with church life just a little bit on the edge, those who've come occasionally, those who've never come before. It's an opportunity to invite them at the same time as you're coming. If you want to be with them in Alpha, in uh, Kairos, that's fine. Or if you want them to be uh, welcomed and looked after by those who are organising Alpha, then that's fine as well, and you can be in church. But It's a great opportunity to invite someone to come and explore Christian faith. We've said that for a number of weeks and we haven't particularly asked anyone to sign up or to say that they're coming. It would be nice to know if you were particularly inviting someone to Alpha, if you knew that there was someone who was coming, if you yourself were wanting to be part of the Alpha course in the next eight weeks it'd be great to know that. So uh, please if you have the opportunity just of saying to me or to Peter Close, that uh, you've got it in mind. Uh, you're praying about someone. You're inviting someone. It'd be lovely to know that. But Alpha will happen next week and in the next eight weeks. So there's some more invitation cards here. And that's something that you can do as part of your I will. Christ is in you. Christ is in me. The hope of glory. It's a glorious gospel to be shared. There's also something very special happening this coming Friday on BBC Two. Many of you know about the Christian charity, Christians Against Poverty. It provides a wonderful service of helping people come out of severe debt into better life. It's something that the Dickens Heath Church are particularly involved in locally. And one person's story is going to be heard far and wide this week as uh, there is a documenti- documentary on the work of CAP and uh, just a very quick video now to uh, hear from CAP's general director and inviting us to pray.
2: Hi there, my name is John Kirkby. I'm the founder of Christians Against Poverty. Well, would you believe it? On Friday the 5th of October at 9 p.m. on BBC Two, is a one-hour documentary that profiles and shows the incredible work of Christians Against Poverty. It will be showing what we together with you, the local church, are achieving in people's lives. It is a stunning thing. The testimonies are overwhelming. The transformations do take your breath away. But listen, there's two things that we need you to do. First of all, this is about you. This is about the work that you do. This is about the local church, but we need two really crucial things. Number one, we need prayer over this entire thing. As you can see from the prayer letter, we have some real needs for God to turn up miraculously as this is sown. So please, will you pray for this thing? Will you pray individually? Will you pray in your midweek groups? Will you pray as a church? We need God's covering over this thing. It's massive. And the second thing is we need people to watch it. Will you do everything that you can? Will you join in our social media storm? Will you share the news with friends and relatives? Will you get your groups together maybe on that Friday night? Turn the telly on at 9pm. You will be blown away. You will not believe that this is on primetime UK telly. But it is, and it's an opportunity for Jesus and his church to be glorified in the transformation of the lives that we see. So please will you pray for us and please will you get everybody to watch it and let's believe God's going to use it to do even more amazing things through the church in the UK, partnering with Christians Against Poverty. Thank you so much for all you do.
1: So there's a programme to watch on Friday night. There's an Alpha Conversation next Sunday morning and for the following weeks after that. And uh, these are just two of many, many ways in which we can share what Christ means to us. Christ is in you this morning, the hope of glory. That is not for you to hold on to yourself. It's not for me to hold on to myself. This is an amazing message to proclaim. And along with the Apostle Paul, we proclaim him. That is Jesus. And verse 29, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works within me. It doesn't just happen. I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ works so powerfully within me.